So today, what we're going to do is I'm going to invite some friends up here. I'm going to invite Bob and Peggy and my wife Amy and Philip. If you guys want to go ahead and come up here and take your seats, they're going to help me do the teaching today. How about that? Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. <clears throat> come on up, wherever you'd like to sit. So they're fighting for seats already. Um, one of the things we wanted to do in this teaching series in Romans was to kind of do a roundtable discussion one week. Um, so what happens in our staff meetings every week and happens in our discipleship groups uh, every week is people gathering around scripture just to discuss and to share and talk. And, and there is, uh, if you'll permit me to use the word, there is some magic that happens when men and women gather around God's word and open it and share it and discuss it together. And so today for our teaching time, I'm a little bit nervous because we've never had five preachers on stage at once, uh, but I think that's what we've got going on right here. Um, <clears throat> what we're going to do is just kind of share with you what, what we do in staff meeting every week, which is we open God's word. We ask some questions. We pray it over our lives, pray it into our lives. And we just share, and, and what happens each week has been just really awesome and special and good. And part of the reason we're doing this is uh, we want you to see what it's like to enter into discipling conversations with other people. We want you to see uh, that, it's, that it's easy, that it doesn't take any preparation. Uh, I told these folks that I was going to call them up, but I've asked them not to. Uh, write a sermon or prepare notes or any of that kind of stuff. We're simply going to open God's word and allow it to speak through us, through our group. And you guys get to be here to witness it, to be a part of it. And hopefully you will walk away today going, you know, I could do that. I could do that at my, with my coworkers. I could do that with my neighbors. I could do that with my spouse and my kids. We want you to see that sharing God's word is something you don't have to have a master's degree or be a scholar to do but that it's for every single one of us. So uh, since it's a holiday weekend, we thought uh, we would uh, shake things up and, uh, and try this. So I don't know that we've ever done this before on the Aspen Grove stage. So everything we try always works. So I know this is going to be perfect. Um, I'm going to say a prayer for us. And then I'm going to ask my wife, Amy, to read the scripture. And then we're just going to spend some time discussing. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for for this time, uh, that we can come together as family and open your word. And so, God, I pray that it would do its work in us and on us and through us. God, you, you, you tell us about your word, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword, able to separate bone from marrow, that it is this thing that has its own life, and this, this, this life is able to, to in, in deep ways that we don't ever expect or even hardly understand sometimes, your word, we know your word is able to penetrate us. And so, God, we ask that uh, we would open ourselves, everyone in the audience and on the stage, that we would open ourselves to your word and uh, this word out of Romans that is so good and so powerful and so meaningful. So, Father God, pour into us now the, the, the gift of reception. Let us receive uh, this, your voice through your word. We love you, Father, and in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, Amen. All right, Amy, I'll just let you uh, read the scripture, and then uh, we'll begin our time together. 
What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Keep going, I think. Right? That's it. That's verse 2. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, For your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So thank you guys for joining me up here today, Um, fellow uh, men and women of the word here at Aspen Grove. Um, I uh, love and respect all of you, and so I was, uh, uh, I'm excited about this. This It's going to be fun. I love this passage out of Romans chapter 8. Uh, I felt like it was perfect uh, for this moment. Such a, uh, we've, we've done battle through Romans chapter 5 through 7, and now here we are at 8. Last week we talked about adoption. And then this week, Paul kind of comes up, uh, uh, kind of sums up um, chapter 8, and, and really, but chapters 5 through 7 too. And he begins by talking about wonderful things. That's what he says in the very first verse, in, uh, in verse 31. He says, what shall I say about such wonderful things? It's almost like he's speechless. Like, I don't, even know how to, I don't even know how to tell you how good this is. So my first question, just to get us started, is what, what are the wonderful things that Paul's writing about? And, and why is it so important that, that he shared these wonderful things with us? Peggy, I'll let you start. What do you think? I think Romans is a book of uh, encouragement mm. and commitment. I think it addresses both. Um, I think it probably profoundly um, tells us that there is no circumstance that God is not in control. There is no circumstance that he cannot lead us out of. Many of these circumstances we've led ourselves into but he never denies us his love to lead us back out. And sure. I can honestly think of four times, really tragic times uh, through my life that, and there's a prayer that, and I, it's talking to God, which is what a prayer is, and it's saying, I know you know my circumstances. Um, I have no idea how they came about. I have no idea what's going to become of it. But I trust you that you are opening doors 
that you're touching the right hearts and doing the things that are going to bring me out of this. And even though there's darkness at this point in my life, through Jesus, I know there's light. And that just erases all doubt uh, uh, complete, completely that God is totally there for everything. And that's when you can let worry slip away um, by declaring that trust. I'm so worried for any of you that are Church of Christ right now because, like, we got preachers on stage up here preaching the Word of God. That was awesome. Thank you, Peggy. Somebody else, like, what is, uh, dig into this wonderful things. What's the, what's the wonderful things he's talking about? Why, and why do we need to be reminded? Okay. Um, to me, I see it, it says, what should we say about these wonderful things? Such wonderful things as these. So first I say, these what? Uh, what are you talking about? So I back up real quick, and what he's just finished talking about was what we talked about last week, which was amazing. Having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. He's talking about adopting us into his family. Such wonderful things as these, being adopted by God and being called his child when we weren't before. Um, which just last week was just awesome. Totally straight from the heart. And if you guys missed it, aspengrovecc.com, you can check it out. <laughs> That's right. Plug us as much as you can, man. If you're just tuning in. Um, but, it, I mean, it w really, it was, it was awesome because it was from the heart and it was from God. It was, it's wonderful because we know we were chosen by God. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't an oops. It wasn't, I guess I'll deal with you because... I have no choice. It was he reached into our lives and picked us up in the midst of us being rotten, abandoned, alone, and could have remained that way. And instead, he sacrificed his only begotten son, his, his one and only true son. You know, so if you thought about you had to give up your, the, child that you birthed for the person that you're adopting, how much more would that person being adopted feel like, whoa, like, I'm definitely part of this sure. family. So to me, that's, that's the wonderful things that he's talking about, is understanding that we are chosen and we are loved, and it wasn't an accident, and it's not ending. That's great. Bob, Amy, what, are, what would you add? I was going to say, if you look at Verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. As I look back through life, I, I see many situations where I was going to take another job, for example, and I was bummed because it didn't work out. And then in hindsight, years later, I found out I was much better where I was. Uh, there have been tragedies that goodness has have has come out of it. Uh, and with that, with that knowledge that God is always there and is going to make the best out of a situation, it just brings a, a, a great peace to you. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that because, all right, so Paul introduces this, this section of his writing. He says, man, I don't even know what to tell you about these wonderful things. And then he dives into a series of questions that he answers. He asks uh, several questions in a row. He says, 
who, who can ever be against us? And who dares accuse us? And, and then who then will, will condemn us? And then he gets to the one that should catch all of our attention. He asks the question, does it mean he no longer loves us? And he goes on to say, like, like, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? He, he asked the, this question, I think, in some ways is on so many of our hearts of uh, when calamity happens. Um, does it, does it mean that he doesn't love us? And, and so my question out of that is, and, and Amy, I'll let, you, I'll let you start this one. Like, how can we, how can we ha- like be facing trouble and calamity and persecution and even the threat of death and still claim to be loved by God? He, he would say we have overwhelming victory. So, so how do we, yeah, how can we, how can we have trouble and calamity and still Claiming to be loved by God. This is an easy one, so I'll let you answer. Oh, sorry. Thanks. <laughs> um, it's like, where do I begin? Um, I mean, I think this comes up a lot in everybody's life when we, when we ask the question, why? Why are we in this situation? Why is this happening to me? Why, why is there death and hunger and um, calamity in the world? Why are there orphans? Why... Why do we get cancer? Why do we lose loved ones? Um, and, and I think we all struggle with this question. You know, why me? Why, why am I going through this? Because I don't feel like you love me right now. Um, but God never said it was going to be easy. I mean, in the end, I know we win because Jesus died for us and he took our place in that. But sometimes it's so difficult to realize, even in the storms, he's there and he is, is with us and he loves us. Um, and those times are the times that, that we cling to him most, especially in my experience. Um, because I'm not sure I would have gotten through a lot of that of things that I've been through mm-hmm. without. Um, but I think I think we all question that. Why? Why? Why does it have to be a fallen world? Why? Why do we have to have pain and suffering and sorrow? Yeah, I'm not answering that. So yes, <laughs> there's not a good <laughs> answer. Somebody, I mean, mm. well, the, I'll let Bob answer that. He <laughs> he's got it all figured out. <laughs> Yeah, right. The, uh, you know, the off-the-cuff textbook answer would be that because of sin in the world, when sin entered the world, that everything changed. It was not God's plan. And so we are suffering from the sin in the world. Uh, I think the older I get, the more I realize that if you keep your eyes on the ultimate, where we're going to be going, which is heaven, it seems a lot less. Although, how do you tell a mother that just lost a child that it's going to be all right? Yeah, God loves you. Yeah, God loves you. I'll be honest with you, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, or you tell them to read, uh, you know, 
read some of the scripture, it'll help you. It, 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 they're just not good answers, but uh, I do know through life's experience, even the hard times, you look back and you realize God was there with you. Uh, personally, I like to read through the minor prophets from time to time because you cannot miss the message there that God is suffering right along with his people when they suffer. You wow. can see his heart breaking for you. Don't understand all this. I do know that one day when we end up in glory, things will be great. That's a, yeah, that's such a powerful picture of, of I think it's sometimes it's easy for us to kind of slip into this place like, hey, we're suffering and God is somewhere else. But what you just said was like, no, like he's right, right here with us. Like what parent doesn't suffer with when a child is suffering? It happens together. It happens at the same time. And so, you know, how do we feel loved when we're suffering because he suffers with us? Go ahead, Peggy. I don't think God gives us what we can handle. Okay. I think he helps us handle what we are given. Okay. And I think there's. I think if you remind yourself of that, there's no way you can blame God through the process, but know that He is there to walk you through, out of the darkness into the light, and that's where faith comes in. Sure, sure. I find it interesting though, because when you are suffering and you are angry at God, I think He wants you to come to Him with that. You can't help but see that in the Psalms as the people are reaching out and they're just kind of shaking their fist in, in spots. God wants you to bring that burden to him and he will help you with it. Um, he's going to go on to say in, uh, in verse 39, he's going to go on and say, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Um, maybe this is just a little bit of devil's advocate here. Is that true? Is it true that, that nothing can separate us from God's love? Like, like not nothing, but nothing. So I know I asked, I'm not a good moderator because I asked a yes or no question, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that question is on us, it's on God. Okay. Because I think no matter what we do, he's going to love us. Now, it's our choice if we love him. But we will not be separated from him on his accord. Does that make sense? Sure. Sure. If, if you're removed from God, guess who moved? Yeah. As a parent of three, um, I go back to the adoption thing and how I would communicate with my kids. And I feel like this whole passage is something that I would have said eye to eye with my daughter. You know, if she was having a hard time or freaking out or we just had punishment time or something um, or she fell and hurt herself, these are all words that I would sit down and say firmly to her that there's nothing that could ever take my love away from you. In the midst of you doing wrong, in the midst of you being hurt, I'm always there. And in the same way, 
when we go through troubled times, I can't keep my daughter from being hurt forever. I, I won't be able to take away pain from her life because we live in a world that's fallen, but I will be there with her through all of it. I'll be encouraging her and letting her know that, that she's loved no matter what. Whether she wants it or not. And in the end, if I give her a Christmas gift and she never opens it, then she doesn't get to enjoy what's inside. But there's never going to be a day that I'm not trying to bless her with a gift of love. Did you have some? Just to shake it up a little bit. (laughs) The scripture I've heard used uh, many times to say that once a person is saved, has come to a knowledge of Christ, that they cannot lose their salvation. This is one of the scriptures that is used to, to support that view. Uh, okay. What's your take on that? <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, you're asking me if uh, once saved, always saved? Mm-hmm. All right, so I would say Jesus does the saving, not us. Um, okay. So I would pass that straight yeah. on to him. Um, if Jesus wants to save someone who's lived a, a horrible, sinful life on their deathbed, mm-hmm. that's his prerogative. And I, I fully am, I'm okay to trust him with. Because we've all lived horrible, sinful lives. Yeah, I guess that's true. I brought that up intentionally for, for those that are group leaders or may want to be a group leader someday. You can get tough questions like this in your group. Don't feel like you have to answer them. You, yeah, just you, call you, Bob. You, <laughs> Call somebody else. You just talk to Adam. Uh, you can say, I don't know, and I'll get back to you and, and come back later with the best. In, in, in this case, there are two big views on this. Yeah. Uh, so the, also sometimes yeah. in your group you'll have people that lead things off topic. I don't, I don't know who that would be. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I, do want to come, I do want to come back to the enormity of God's love. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Like, like how do we deal with that? Um, I feel like, like maybe that should feel, feel really good and comforting, but, but I think there's, there's a part of that that's, um, there's a part of that that I, I don't even know how to process. Um, and, and I think the issue, like you said, Peggy, is not, the issue is not with, with God's side, it, it's with our side. Like, um, Maybe in the form of a question, like, um, have you ever tried to separate yourself from God's love? Because, because maybe you just frankly didn't feel worth it. Maybe you just didn't feel worthy of it. How do we, how do we work on our side of this love equation? We know God's side. Like God's going to move mountains because he loves us. But what about us? How, how, do we, how do we accept that kind of limitless love when we know the truth of of who we are. And like I said, maybe we feel like we don't, aren't worthy of it or don't deserve it. Who wants it? Um, I mean, this isn't like a specific time in my life, but on the whole, um, I'm a controller. Um, this is no surprise to Adam. <laughs> I like to be in control of things in my world, in my life. Um, and, and I think that 
has always lent itself for me to do, 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 and earn, earn, earn. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've seen that that's, that's really not what it's about. Um, but letting go of that, because if it's on me, then I know I can do all these things and follow this list and I'm going to be good. But for me, giving up the control is, is pretty difficult because it makes me vulnerable and it makes me um, open and have emotions that I don't like to show. Um, and, but that's, all, that's what it's all about is not what I do or what I can control, but what God has done for me. Go ahead. Well, uh, it, this has turned out to be a confession channel, <laughs> panel, but I, I am a controller. I'm a fixer. But I think, isn't that a shock for everybody? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and all together they said amen. Yeah. But I think the key is there's nothing wrong with being in control because sometimes it takes somebody taking that initiative to make it work for the whole. I think the key is when that control is necessary and when you are in essence taking it out of God's hands. And I think that is the hardest adjustment to make because you don't want to sit back and not do something and say, well, I'm just going to let God do it. Mm -hmm. There are times when we have to do things, but we are God's hands and his feet. Okay. Um, but then there are times when we really need to relinquish that control. I myself find that to be the hardest thing is to know when to say, stop it. Hi, my name is Bob. <laughs> Hi, Bob. I, I'm a controller. <laughs> I think part of the question you said, though, was do we ever separate ourselves from the love on our side? I think one of the big ways we do that is when we don't accept the free gift of forgiven sin and we're beating ourselves up. I mean, I've done a lot of this lately. I'm thinking back to stuff I did as a teenager and feeling guilty and feeling terrible and kind of uh, separating myself from God's loving forgiveness. So I think that's one way we can separate ourselves. Yeah. And Jesus paid the price for that sin. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Sure. Sure. It's hard to let go of that. Of, yeah. To forgive ourselves. And love ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. If we can't love ourselves, we can't love others. Yeah. What about you, Philip? Have, have anything to add? Yeah, I think there's, there's two parts to that. Um, there's us taking the control and and really by control, it's what can I do to earn his love when he says that's not the way it works? Hmm. And then when you feel like you haven't earned his love, that you're not in control and therefore you must not have his love because you didn't go out and get it, which again isn't, isn't the case. But then there's the other side that we sort of touched on briefly is asking tough questions. And sometimes the tough questions can be what starts to separate us if we don't understand something. There was a time in college 
uh, I went to a Bible study and new ideas were introduced to me that I hadn't heard before. Uh, and it, it wasn't like I was out at a club or something and I was hearing some random bad idea. It was somebody reaching into scripture and talking to me and suddenly my eyes were open to a new idea of the way things worked and I started wrestling with that and you know my head went on the chain reaction well if this is the case then this must be this and how can I deal with that I, I don't know what to do with that it was a question sort of like that that was a, a big question um, of like we were talking about with uh, can we ever lose God's love and Whatever the answer is, God still loves us. And what I was wrestling with was something different, but at the end of the day, um, it, there was a summer where I just felt almost guilty for going to church because I was wrestling with this idea in my head of I don't know if I can, if I can accept this idea. And if, I can't, if this idea is true and I can't accept it, then what's true? What's real? Like, am I just faking going to church just because that's what we do as a culture and I don't want to upset my family? But what do I really even believe anymore if this is all true? And so then I, I finally had to just kind of set all that aside. That, that summer, it was that summer my freshman year in college. And so all that summer I was dealing with this, wrestling with this idea um, until finally I felt like God was really just speaking into my heart exactly what we've just been saying is whatever the answer is, I still love you. It doesn't change that I died for you. You believe that's true? Yeah. I don't, I don't think that that's suddenly not true. I, I know that you died for me and that you love me. So I guess if I've got that, then those other big what-if questions, not that they don't matter, but they don't matter. Because whether we can lose God's love or not doesn't matter if we're focusing on the fact that God does love us. I think it's, it's kind of interesting what you were talking about of, like, so as we share faith with people or talk to people about God, like, in general, the, the idea that, hey, God loves me is, is not all that offensive. What's the, the, the real stumbling block may be, do I really love myself? It's not, it it's, may not be incredibly hard for some people to recognize, hey, I'm accepted by God, but to not accept themselves at all. Like, I know there are people probably who are not here today, um, not because they deny that God loves them, but, but that they couldn't, they couldn't accept something that big and awesome. They can't accept it in, in themselves. And I think the church does that, too, hmm. because um, the, people, the people that are the controllers that feel like they're getting it right. Careful, they're right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> We can take it. It's okay. <laughs> Which is most of us. You know, you kind of get you kind of get lulled to sleep going to church if you're somebody that grew up in the church and didn't have this radical salvation when you were 28 and you came from this dark place and now you're in the light and and everything is is so much better. If you've grown up in the church or if you've been going to church for a long time, you start getting lulled to sleep into this I'm I'm good. I'm a good person and that's why I'm here. Not I was pulled out of a fire and yeah. I'm covered in soot and I need to spend the rest of my life thanking the fireman that ran yeah. into a burning building to pull me out. Suddenly you feel like, I got out of that fire. Yeah. yeah. And all those people that are still in the fire, they're dumb. Yeah. And so we look at the people that 
are living a life that's different than us, even though we're actually all sinners, that we just do a better job of covering it up if we go to church, uh, at least on Sunday yeah. mornings. Um, and then we start doing the controlling of others. So now we, we could easily, just as easily project not the God doesn't love me, but that God doesn't love that guy over there. And how could you say that God loves that guy over there when I've been working so hard for his love and that guy over there is doing things that are big no-nos? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that idea is what those outside the church can see as I don't want to go into that group of people that think they have it all right when I know I don't and I'm going to be judged so um, you're, you're saying it's, it's ironic that anyone would look at people inside a church where people come to a church and say, hey, I am a sinner. Hey, I am not worthy of God's love, but he's given it to me and I accept it as hypocritical. You know, that, that's the irony is that people look at people outside the church would look at people inside the church and, and say that we're hypocritical when we're actually the ones saying, no, we are broken. We are sinners. We, we, I desperately need God's love as much or more, you know, as, as, at least as much as anyone else. You know, that should be this great message. But when we put on this air of somebody that doesn't somehow need it or has earned it or has somehow elevated our status, that's when we really, when we really get into trouble. Hmm. Um, I do want to kind of start steering us towards a conclusion. And so the, the last question, and I'll prep you guys with this, is uh, you've been... You've been looking at these words. You've been looking at God's words, specifically these scriptures, for a couple of days now. Um, and hearing our conversation, the Spirit move in our conversation now together. The, the last question I have for you is, how is God speaking to you through this word? Like, what is, what is his word to, to you? And, and how is it going to manifest itself in your, in your life? What is, what's it going to produce in you? What is, what is what he has revealed to you going to do in you, through you? So, uh, Bob, why don't, you, why don't you go first? I think the way it's speaking to me is the fact that I am so loved, how can I not love others? Hmm. That no matter what happens, I like this, uh, we are more than conquerors. Uh, just having gone through a very tense time with a mortgage. <laughs> um, it all came out. And God was there for us. Yeah. And no matter what would have happened in that whole process, he had our back one way or the other. And it just gives you a, a, a gives me a confidence in how I can live my life. The, the end. <laughs> Somebody else. Go ahead. Sure. Um, I think the verse that says, um, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow can separate us from God's love. Um, I think just in what our family is going through right now, um, I think I put on a pretty good front, typically. <laughs> um, I kind of have to do that in my work, and um, I think it just crosses over into my life. But um, I'm, I tend to be a worrier, um, and we are having some challenges with our son, who is adopted, 
and we love him dearly. Um, but many days I feel like I'm failing him. Um, and to focus on these words, to know that even if I do feel like I'm not a good mom that day or because I said something or acted in a way, I just need to step back and take a deep breath and think on these words. I love you. You're not feeling it. I think, yeah. I think um, it's been a great reminder of something that God's spoken into my life for many years over and over again. Fortunately and unfortunately, I guess I need to hear it more than once. But I've learned to say, now we've learned to say, our family, that um, really nothing good that's going on in my life right now was my plan. Any of the good things that I have going on was was a surprise and something very clearly dropped into my life amidst and only because the plans that I had failed. The things I thought should have worked didn't work. The times that I thought should have been good were bad. And the things that were bad led to God's greater good. And so even this week, it's funny, we talked about this a few times. Some of the, a lot of the times, the songs that I choose, I choose for one reason, and then Sunday morning I, found out, I find out the other reason why we were supposed to sing that song. You know, I have an idea of what's going to be said Sunday mornings, and then God brings a new word through you, and suddenly the song has a whole new light, and I'm like, whoa, God chose that song. I didn't. And I feel like in my life it's the same way, that we don't see initially why we're going through stuff. Um, but ultimately, God has a plan. And so amidst what we perceive as suffering, we can turn back and say, we have a really, really great daddy that knows better than we do. And in the same way that I would look at my daughter and say, you don't understand this, but this is good. And she says, no, I don't like it. I don't want this. <laughs> and feels like she's being persecuted. Yeah. Really, she's being helped. So even this week, I look at troubles that come along. And this, in prepping for this message and for this Sunday has helped me deal with calamities <laughs> that have come my way. And it's not that we won't face troubles that hurt. Sometimes we'll, we'll face hurt, but the comfort that comes along with knowing that God's with us and we're going somewhere else. Sure. Peggy? I think um, this speaks to me in a way of realizing that peace is not a state where everything is going well. Peace comes when you have the faith and the knowledge and the wisdom to know that God is in control, that he loves you more than anything else, 
and there will be light at the end of the tunnel. That's when peace comes over me, when I finally give it up and believe the words that, are, that you have just read to us today. Um, so every day, I tell my, uh, when I drop my kids off at school, both of them, I tell them, uh, I tell them three things um, every single day, every single day. Like Harper's in, she's going to be in fourth grade. Sorry, I had to check. She's going to be in fourth grade. I knew that. Um, every single day I drop her off from school, I'll tell her the exact same thing. It's the exact same three things. I look her in the eye and I hug her and I say, I love you. I'm proud of you. Always do your best. So my kids, uh, both my kids have heard this, I don't know, hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times. So why do I keep telling them? I think, uh, I think it's the same reason Paul includes this section in Scripture. Um, he begins with doubt and fears and questions. He says, well, what about when we're accused? And what about when we're condemned? And what about when bad things? And, and what about when I'm feeling alone? Or what about when I have worries? Or what about, and, and Paul seems to identify with all of our questions. And he says, I know, I know you have questions. I know you have doubts. I know you have fears. I, I know you're facing all of this. And into, into, all, into every question, into every doubt, into every fear, Paul speaks two things. God loves you. And you've won. And I believe he includes this in Scripture because we are a people that need to be reminded. How about you? If Paul could speak something into your life, into your situation, into, into your unique spot on this planet, I, that's what I think he would say. God loves you, and you've won. Let's say a prayer together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, uh, for its power. Even here today, it's so, it's so evident how good and powerful your word is. And so, Father God, I pray that... As, as men and women claiming to be followers of you, that, that we would give uh, your word more, more opportunity, more authority to speak into our lives. Let us be men and women of, of your word, not just of, of memorizing words on a page, but, but trusting the wor your word to work in us in deep ways, in deep and meaningful ways. Father God, I thank you so much for the witness of those who sit on, on this stage today, Father God, not not coming as, you know, theologians, but, but just coming as men and women seeking to follow you with their lives. And so, Father God, I, I thank you for that witness. And, and I commission everyone here with that exact same witness that we would, that we would take these words uh, not just to our heart, but to the hearts of every person we meet, that your word has a power beyond, beyond us, beyond just our situation. And so, Father God, for those struggling today, I pray especially that, uh, that they, would, they would feel in the, in the deep parts of themselves the truth of your word, the truth of today's message, which is you're loved. Maybe you don't feel worthy, worthy of it or, or feel that you deserve it, but that doesn't matter to God because he loves you anyway. And out of his love, it says that we have received overwhelming victory that we are more than conquerors. And so, Father God, whatever we face, we can know and we can trust that the battle has already been won, that the fight has already been won, and your love has achieved in each and every one of us victory. So, Father God, we thank you immensely 
for your son, Jesus Christ, for his life, his death, and his resurrection. We love you, and in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says,